0: Of the tibia in both legs and the
1: fibula in the right leg is fractured too. And as soon as the roads open, I'll take you to a hospital. In the meantime, you've got a lot of recovering to do. There is nothing to worry about. You're gonna be just fine. I'm your number one fan. My name is Annie Wilkes. I think one of my clients, Paul Sheldon, might
0: be in some kind of trouble. You mean Paul Sheldon, the writer? Everybody sure likes those misery books. We had it at the store, Paul. They said he checked out last Tuesday. Isn't that a little strange? I guess it was kind of a miracle you finding me. In a way, I was following you. You were following me? Oh, Paul,
1: I've read everything of yours, but the misery novels. You must be a good man. You could never have created such a wondrous, loving creature as Misery Chastain. very kind. The presumption must now be that Paul Sheldon is dead. You dirty bird how could you
0: misery chastain cannot be dead
1: misery spirit is still alive
0: i don't want her spirit i want her and you
1: murdered her you don't think he's dead do you and don't even think about anybody coming for you because i never called them nobody knows you're here and you better hope nothing happens to me because if i die
0: you die <laughs> what you're looking for
1: eventually you'll come to accept the idea of being here
0: annie whatever
1: you think i'm not doing please don't do it any God. shh darling trust me god's sake it's for the best god
0: i love you Back to the show. Welcome back. That was quite the trailer. What a trailer! Oh my goodness. So good. Very top loaded, top heavy. Yes, I love this movie. So good. Oh my goodness. I this, can't wait to talk this about is it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Everybody listening. My name is Pete.
1: And I'm Scott. And, and these, these are, are the movies, movies that, that made, made us gay. gay. Yes, indeed. Just us today. We don't have a guest.
0: No guest. Oh, well, it's
1: fine. Mm-hmm. It's just us. It's a very uh, spooky night in Pasadena. It
0: is. The it's wind a little, It's a little
1: is windy. Howling. It's a little chillier than normal. Yes. A good... Some good, like, spooky
0: podcasting weather. Yes, indeed. I love it. I love it. Scott, why don't you talk a little bit about... Well, you probably guessed it from that. This oogie movie. Great trailer that we just listened to.
1: (laughs) We watched Misery, directed by Rob Reiner, written by William Goldman, based on the novel by Stephen King from 1987, released November 30th, 1990.
0: Wow. Love it. So good. This movie is great. Um, I remember seeing it when it first came out, being just kind of like mesmerized by these performances. I haven't seen it in a long time. You don't remember watching this
1: early in the pandemic? Because we watched this in like March of 2020.
0: I was probably asleep for the whole thing. I do not remember yeah,
1: watching it. Yeah, we watched this on a Sunday, kind of early in lockdown. Kind of a good pandemic movie that I'm surprised that I didn't see more people post about.
0: Are you sure you didn't watch it without me?
1: No, because I remember I was doing my bracket for... I was, I was doing a fantasy bracket of the Best Actress winners, mm. and I was
0: ranking all of them. And uh, I remember I had this on when I was doing it. Maybe I was working on something else because I feel like I haven't seen it in ages, and I mean ages, because what I specifically remember or what I specifically uh, thought as we were watching it this time was just how like snappy it is, how just like yeah. utterly watchable mm-hmm. as a movie this Yeah, is. it's very well directed. And these performances are amazing. I mean, Kathy Bates deserved... Best actress. I mean, I was thinking today at work that I think
1: it's kind of silly to kind of say that this is my definitive favorite performance of all time, but I think Kathy Bates in this movie might be one of my favorite lead actresses' performances ever. Right. It's definitely my favorite of Best Actress. Okay. In kind of a thriller... It's probably more on the thriller side than horror. Right, But, yeah. I mean, genre movies like that usually are not recognized. And when they do, it's like Rossman Pike had no shot of actually winning that category in 2014.
0: For... For um, Gone Girl. Right. But Kathy Bates did it. Yeah. And I think uh, this movie in particular, you know, it's like... It's got Stephen King. So Mm -hmm. it's just like it has baggage, right? It has uh, Stephen King, which I think people automatically just assume this is going to be a horror movie or it's a slasher. You know, Um, Kathy Bates was kind of an untested movie star. Yeah,
1: I mean, she she did a lot of big uh, plays on Broadway and theater. And I believe that she came at the request of William Golden.
0: William Goldman, the uh, Mm -hmm. screenwriter of this movie, who has worked uh, together with Rob Reiner on The Princess Bride. Yes. Which is very interesting that uh, he wrote The Princess Bride. And Rob Mm -hmm. Reiner, as a director, I mean, that's a whole other thing that we can talk about, too, Mm -hmm. in his Castle Rock uh, production company. I had forgotten that when the credits came on and you noted that, mm-hmm. that I was like, well, yeah. that's not a Stephen King reference. Oh, it is a Stephen King reference. Yeah. It's the yep. town that they live in and Stand By Me. Yeah. And which is unusual that it was not Derry or um, – Derry. Dair- Dairy Pitchers? No, no, no. I no, guess but like the Castle Rock in, has a better ring to I'm it. I'm saying the town <laughs> in Castle, the town in, in, yes. in Stand By mm-hmm. Me in the story. Yeah. It's one of the major towns that you see call back to lot. Right. He didn't tie it into a specific t- town already. He came up with this Castle Rock, which is a, you know, really evocative imagery. But um, yeah, uh, Rob Reiner kind of, I mean, not known for directing comedies quite yet he's got a very kind of like um i mean he had a good run of
1: movies in the 80s that he started with this is spinal tap a movie that i still have not seen can you believe that um yeah i can believe that the princess bride people fucking love that movie um and also when harry met sally right the year before misery (laughs) came out like that is some range
0: right there yeah i mean the Princess Bride is a great movie. If people fucking love that movie, like it's a piece of garbage. <laughs> mm-hmm. But but I was just drag, saying is that like drag people, Princess Bride and like, Princess Bride fans, people just love that movie. Like <laughs> yeah, it, they do. It's, it's a great movie. Like
1: people always say that's their favorite movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's a collaboration I love with the Princess Bride with William yep. Goldman,
0: who. Wrote the, novel wrote the novel and the screenplay. Yeah. Yeah. So he's a very interesting writer to bring along to, to a project like Misery. You know, uh, Rob Reiner is a very interesting director. And, um, you know, what we got was this really cool adaptation. Is Misery a novella like, uh, like Stand By Me, like The Body? No. Or is it a full book? It's a full novel. It's a full book. Yep. Okay. Uh, I've not read Misery.
1: Do you want Do you want to kind of begin this conversation with our personal relationships with with Stephen King? Sure, because Stephen King has said this is one of his favorite adaptations of his work. Uh-huh. I think that he mentions like I think it's Shawshank, one of the most faithful, Shawshank Redemption, Stand by Me, as being two of his favorites, and mm-hmm. he always mentions Misery. Right. Also, Cujo. He really likes Cujo. Oh, that's funny.
0: Yep. Um. Yeah, I mean my mom has always been a very big reader, very mm-hmm. avid reader and she was always she always read the big Stephen King books as they were released. So mm-hmm. I remember as a kid the house always having Stephen King books and they I just always remember their sheer size. Yeah. They were always super thick, but she always got the paperback cuz my mom didn't like carrying around a big old hardback so she hated. Understandable. Um excuse me. And so I remember but I don't remember misery. I remember it. I remember seeing that huge book and I remember her reading it and just being like I can't believe you're reading book. And that also giant scary book, book covers. The scary the, book the, cover. The
1: cover the paperback covers of It and Pet Cemetery mm-hmm. used to scare the shit out of me when I was a kid.
0: Yes. And um we also had the stand, which was a very like uh not abstract but like it, it had those weird characters. It's kind of
1: the thinker of his of his books.
0: Well, the I'm talking about the cover. Oh, sure. You know the cover yeah. had it wasn't scary, but it had these weird, like Harlequinny kind of like goblin guys that were in like this fighting position, and it looked very Dungeons and Dragons. Okay, um,
1: and very interesting cover. The cover for Misery is Paul in his wheelchair and Annie in like uh like shadow with the axe because right, right. in the book. She cuts his leg off with foot his foot, yeah. So she's she's holding the axe.
0: Spoiler alert. Mm-hmm.
1: Um,
0: yeah, the axe is a, is a big imagery um, in the book cover. So, what about you? Do you um, how far back do you go with Stephen King? So, I mean, I didn't read a lot
1: of Stephen King when I was young. I think that I just read Carrie when I was in junior high, and that's pretty much it. I mean, I definitely remember watching the miniseries It. Mm-hmm. Loved The Shining mm-hmm. when I was like in junior high. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of stuff like that. Like the the heavy hitters of Stephen yeah. King's catalog. Yeah. And I definitely remember the Stephen King miniseries uh, uh, Ruby... Rose Red. Rose Red. Yeah. With Nancy Travis. So I remember yeah. sort of the night... Like the multi-night miniseries of his work.
0: Well, I think it just kind of like opened the door. When that was successful, they were just like, "Bring them on," and they just started doing yeah. and, everything. Uh, Rose Red
1: wasn't until like the early two thousands. Yeah, too. There was a lot later. Um, I didn't really get into reading Stephen King until my late twenties. That mm-hmm. I downloaded the Audible app, and I one of the first books that I listened to off that app a few years ago was it. It's like 72 hours long. That's a very long audio and book. And I really wanted to listen to it before the movie. And it's probably one of my favorite novels of all time. It's, yeah. It's read by Stephen Weber. Uh, listeners, if you just want a good, just like many, many hours of listening, <laughs> uh, download the audiobook
0: for it. Stephen and, Weber of uh, Wings fame. Yep. He also mm-hmm. uh, was in the television adaptation for the shining he and played the, jack torrance and then kind
1: of through my stephen king audible phase i listened to the shining and dolores claiborne and a little bit of the stand okay and the audiobook for dolores claiborne is read by um uh somebody from this movie it is francis um sternhagen yep francis sternhagen reads the audiobook for it and she's really good she plays the sheriff's wife in this movie also, She's really funny in this, Bunny McDougal from Sex and the City. Ah, yes, Bunny,
0: Bunny McDougal. Who? Mm-hmm. What character is that from? She Sex and was the City? Kyle McLaughlin's mother. Yes, indeed. Yep. So she was, uh, what's her name's mother-in-law for a very brief moments. Mm-hmm. Charlene, am I right? Is that Charlotte, right? Charlene, Charlene, Charlotte, Charlotte. Yeah. Charlene. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I was getting my designing women. Mixed up with My Sex in the City. Understandable. Charlene. I'm a Charlene, aren't we all? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm actually not a Charlene. But uh, yeah, I mean, Stephen King is one of those things that especially in the 80s and 90s, it was just like an explosion of like film, television, all these adaptations of his work. And as a kid, you're just like... Fascinated by scary movies and then also things like It and Stand By Me were just populated with kids. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now Stephen King also is known for like these crazy horror projects and the horror aspects of his books and movies are all usually very supernatural in nature. Yeah, And the horror in Misery is not at all. It's very grounded in reality. And I this think could happen. it was a very personal book for Stephen King well, for that
1: very are. reason because just over obsessive Stephen King fans. Right. And just how sometimes an artist is just held prisoner by what they do. I'm sure that at the time, whenever Stephen King tried to write something different, he would have fans say, no, that is not what kind of a writer you are. Right. This is. What kind of a writer you are.
0: Well, we won't go we won't delve too deep into uh the whole idea of that every protagonist in the Stephen King project is a troubled writer with Oh yeah, there's a lot of with that. addiction problems. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess they say right what you know. Um so yeah, he just turns all of his like demons figuratively into like literal, you know.
1: Yeah. And when and you see, stories. like, interviews for Stephen King when they were optioning this book that um, kind of the producers were shocked that it hadn't been optioned yet just because Stephen King was very particular about this book in particular, <clears throat> that he really didn't re- want to sell the movie rights to it unless it was somebody that he really trusted. And Stephen King was a big Stand By Me fan, like I mentioned before, and that's yeah. pretty much what sold the movie.
0: Yeah. Stand By Me and also Shawshank Redemption, like you mentioned, not... In line with what most mm-hmm. people Definitely, think of, yeah. I, I know a lot of people at the time when *Stand by Me* was released were just like shocked that it was a Stephen King project. Mm-hmm. It was an, it was a novella. It was a short story from a compilation. I think *Skeleton Crew*. Um, I think people to this day sometimes you know just find out I was today years old when I realized *Stand by Me* was was written by Stephen King. Um, some of his most some of his most successful adaptations, people freaking. Love Shawshank Redemption. Oh yeah, it's,
1: I mean, is it still the number one movie? Yeah, like, on, I, on is IMDb a really yeah. rated movie on IMDb. Pro,
0: yeah, maybe it. It probably fluctuates in the top five.
1: A movie that my personal relationship li- is. I think it's good. Yeah, but I mean that that shit's not getting close to my like. You know
0: who loves top fifty? You know who loves Shawshank Redemption? Straight bros, straight dudes. Yeah. Ooh, they love it. They love it. They they are Andy Dufresne, all of them. Um, which I don't know if that's a good. Um, so yeah, uh, it's very interesting that, you know, uh, somebody who's so well known for, you know, horror, um... Some of his other most uh, like highly praised pieces are, are are more psychological character pieces, you know, mm-hmm. um, things that can can really happen as opposed to, you know, an interdimensional like, spider. And it's always interesting
1: to compare the movie to the book to all of his adaptations. And I'm sort of in the camp for movies like The Shining. I prefer the movie over <laughs> the book. I think yeah. the book is good, but I yeah. think that... Just kind of Stanley Kubrick does some really neat things with that adaptation. Yeah, I
0: agree. I agree. the The book is a little dry. I enjoy The Shining. I, it was a very, very fascinating read. I'm glad I read it. Do you, but I much prefer would would. Watch the movie again in a heartbeat over picking up the book again and starting it over. Do you remember when? And we were, I
1: read books multiple times. Do you remember when we were driving to Montana and I put on The Shining oh, audio book and it was like, Campbell no. Scott in that sleepy voice? And at one point you're just like, we can't listen to this anymore. I was going to drive. I am going this to drive off into the ravine. Yeah, because I'm. He's going to put me to sleep,
0: lulling me into a deep deep slumber his voice is very soothing i if you suffer from insomnia get the shining audiobook um it will help you uh not that it's not shade by any means i mean maybe it is but uh you know read it for yourself read it in your own voice campbell scott was very two-state for my taste but um it's no Stephen weber oh no not at all uh so on to uh misery from what year is this 1990? 1990 1990 I mean, uh, practically the 80s, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> at this point, you know Kathy Bates. It, like, the, I think the conversation like begins and ends with Kathy Bates. Oh yeah, definitely. Movie. But that said, <laughs> when we did our revisit the other night, I was impressed by James Caan.
1: and I was just kind of thinking like, how did James Caan not crack the best actor lineup of 1990? Right. Yeah, because he fully could have oh, when you really look weird. at that top five. Yeah, but I guess the, I guess yeah, you're right. Just sort of. The conversation begins and ends with Kathy Bates. Yeah. That she just sort of upstaged him when it came to the Oscars.
0: Yeah. And he is really good, like you said. Um, I think maybe there might be some issues with the character, which maybe for Oscar voters at the time might have bled into not wanting to. Sure, You know, because I have questions about Paul Sheldon. Okay. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean,
1: there's reasons why huge A list actors of the 80s turned down this movie William Hurt, Kevin Klein, Michael Douglas, Harrison Ford, Dustin Hoffman, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, Richard Dreyfus, Gene Hackman, and Robert Redford. And Warren Beatty said that he would do the movie if they sort of turned his character less passive. And when they refused to do that in the script, he recommended. Um,
0: James Con, he, he recommended James Con. He's like, you know who's a little bitch who could take this <laughs> passive shit, yeah. Jimmy Khan. Um, I hesitate to to agree that Paul Sheldon is a passive character. His legs are, yeah, it's his true. His legs are fucking. He, he really can't go anywhere. Blown to oblivion. His legs were run over by a
1: steamroller. But just all of these. What A-list, is going to do? But just all of these a list actors that were just turned off that they had to do this whole movie sitting in a bed.
0: Sure, I mean that's probably why mm-hmm. that yeah. they were that's probably why at the end of the day they turned it down because it is it is you know he he is not really moving around that much but I mean another actor could say that it's a it's a chance to show off you a know, good character piece yeah yeah show off your your skills um, and get and give us a performance from you know being strapped to a bed which I think James Con did very well but. Um, You know, I guess we have to just kind of set up the story that Paul Sheldon, again, prolific writer, struggling with addiction issues, many, many demons. I have a lot of...
1: Sounds like Stephen King. I have a lot of questions about a man like Paul Sheldon writing these Civil War romance novels. Are they kind of set around the Civil War?
0: they're probably earlier than that. Earlier
1: than that? Okay. So, um... Yeah, I used to work at a bookstore, Barnes and Noble, for almost 10 years. So I used to deal with the romance uh, crowd a lot. Mm-hmm. Getting calls every week uh-huh. of just looking up books, uh-huh. getting the same women calling you and doing ship to homes for them, that you would sort of develop these weird relationships. With these women over the phone of just like, I need this book. So, Annie Wilkes types. These these weird Annie Wilkes types. I mean, I would hope that they're not quite as psychotic as Annie Wilkes. But, I mean, I definitely was around that crowd. And fun little fact about the romance novel industry. Mm -hmm. Many of them are written by gay men. And they use pseudonyms
0: as women. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Yep. Yeah, my biggest question was how many uh romance novel uh novelists are these burly straight men. Exactly. Yeah. Um because J- <laughs> James Khan to me Gives off a persona of being, like, a tough guy. I mean, he's Sonny from The Godfather. Sonny Corleone. James Caan. Just seems like a, you know, a a toughie, a baddie, uh, somebody that I wouldn't want to mess with. Kind of the heavy. And, um, yeah, when you see the the covers, especially, of, uh, you know, of the Misery books... They're amazing, oh, first of all. Oh, they're pretty out of control. They're just like, uh, you know, standard romance novel covers. And yeah, it's just very interesting that, you know, he's... it's uh, That's the area they went into. I think maybe it would have mm-hmm. been too cute, too precious if he was a horror writer. Sure. You know? Yeah, it would have been a little too on the nose. But also they have to give... You know, the story beat that his number one fan is is so obsessed with his character yep. that is, you know, through all of uh, this book series. And I, I think they say that there's eight books in the series mm-hmm. and the lead character, her name is Misery Chastain. Misery Chastain. Yep. It's a great character name. I mean, it's mm-hmm. a weird-ass name. Misery is a weird name. Why would anybody name their child Misery? Mm-hmm. Um... But, you know, it is also a very romance novel name. Definitely, Like yeah. it, fits, mm-hmm. it fits into, like, uh, you know, Soap's kind of area. Um, so, Misery Chastain. And uh, he's written eight Misery novels. He feels like he is in a box. He feels He feels like trapped by him. He's trapped by In his, his conversations
1: comble. with Lauren Bacall.
0: And uh, the latest edition in the Misery... Series it's about to come out is about to be released and it is the death of misery yeah and his uh, not his editor his agent his literary agent mm-hmm. is played by Lauren Bacall and that and that smoker voice I mean it's... That Lauren Bacall smoker voice it is 1990 Lauren Bacall and it's like it it's a cameo it's stunt casting. It's Mm -hmm. not a cameo. It's a little bit more than that. Most of her scenes are on the phone. (laughs) Most of her scenes are in an office set just like, you know, with a huge window just kind of pacing back and forth. Um, But it's kind of iconic that she's in this movie as this this literary agent just kind of talking up Paul Sheldon about, Mm -hmm. you know, how great this new edition is going to be. Yeah and the beginning of the of the book or of the movie we set up that paul has just finished writing his first non-misery novel mm-hmm. i think that he based it on his childhood i think sure and he's completed the manuscript it's untitled and mm-hmm. he's typed out untitled he's you know signed the manuscript in pencil put it in his leather portfolio what do you call those a portfolio or an attaché, a leather <laughs> sure. attaché portfolio, what have you. Um, and he gets, <laughs> and he always <laughs> he always finishes
1: all of his books at the same winter lodge. Yes, that he types on a typewriter. He does not use a in com- Colorado. He doesn't use like a computer in Colorado. Oh, I'm not sure where where it's set. I think I don't it's know. in Colorado. Yep. I
0: think, well, because that's where the Overlook is, and
1: mm-hmm. it's just this very, very snowy... But yeah, he has this routine that he... Um,
0: uh, area. Opens up a bottle of Dom, smokes one cigarette, just one, Dom Perignon, mm-hmm. just one because he quit. Yep. And he gives it to himself as a treat. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Oh, my God. And when he lights that cigarette with the wooden match, he does this thing that's so fucking Jimmy Conn, I can't deal with it. He has this, the match in the one hand, and he flicks it, and he lights it with his own damn thumb. Yeah. I love that your shit. Your grandpa could do that. <laughs> and it's like, you know you know, Jimmy Conn was like, I got this. Give me the damn match. I got mm-hmm. it. You don't got to put anything on my finger. I can light that motherfucker. Um, I have a lot of questions about... Um,
1: Paul, with his Mustang, in the middle of winter without mm. snow tires, Well, driving if he, way too fast. If
0: he wrote an entire novel, maybe he's been in, you know, uh, wherever, Silver Creek, you know, I always, Colorado I took for it that, a couple of weeks. I took it that he was probably there for,
1: like, uh, about five days a just finishing weekend. it up. Sure.
0: Okay, that makes sense. But, you know, the snow can come in pretty quickly. But, again... I'm I'm getting the sense that he's like this New York type, this New York guy. He's a writer, but you know, still he's he's from the East Coast. He'll go out to the mountains without snow tires. There's a little line later on in the movie when uh, they're talking about the characters cursing, and he said, "There's there's there's street kids. I was a street kid, mm-hmm. you know." So I'm feeling like okay, they're giving a little bit of like James Con like to this character so yeah he doesn't know from snow tires he just takes this this mustang this blue mustang and if he had snow tires we wouldn't have any of the them i know then the movie would be over yeah so he's like, <laughs> he drives off and after he's finished he's done his whole routine he's very particular about his routine and he just drives away and he's by himself at this lodge you know and again it's like very stephen king vibes it's this like lodge that's like locked away from the rest of civilization after the snow comes in, mm-hmm. you know, because of its location, it's just very, you know, treacherous to get, to get there and to get away from there very much like the shining. So I think it is Colorado. I think they mentioned it at one point, but, um, as he leaves, the snow gets worse and worse. Is it rescue me? That's like playing. It's like this Motown song. That's playing on his car radio. Oh sure, I think. I mean,
1: happening. I mean, I think he's just a shitty driver. I think he's just <laughs> driving down this road way too fast with ice.
0: Well, it get the the snow starts pouring. Does snow pour? Do you say pouring for snow? snow falls? Yeah, but you know, like rain falls. But when rain falls really heavily, you say it's pouring outside. Storm, sure. Storming. Um. So the rain, the snow starts coming down a lot more heavily. Like immediately as he's driving, and it just starts, you know, dropping on him. And, uh, but yeah, compounded on top of the fact that he's not a very good driver. He just rolls his car, rolls his Mustang into the snow, and you just see this shadowy figure mm-hmm. with the crowbar. Yeah, and she, 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 Annie lifts him right up. She cracks him out of this car mm-hmm. like a can of tuna. Yep. With this crowbar she like i i don't know i mean maybe if you know you get that weird strength yeah so we get this shadowy figure saves him and you're just like ah oh, who is it but at least he's being saved uh and then you know we get the whole setup of um Annie Wilkes yes mm-hmm. and i love this character Annie Wilkes yeah
1: there's a lot going on with this woman in this performance,
0: yeah, uh, it's it's amazing. Her performance is great, but just everything about it, like the styling mm-hmm. of her, uh, the dialogue, the very specific dialogue, you know, the way she talks, the way she refers to you know to people, and the the type of language she uses, all of it, it just gives you such a clear idea picture. of who
1: this woman is. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, it gives you this really clear picture of. Of the of the kind of person that she is, And you're like, okay, I kind of know that kind of person. I've met people like that before, whatever. Right off the bat, to me, she dresses she dresses like the nuns at Saint Stephen's Martyr. Okay, school, sure. Um, kind I of long denim, school. long denim dresses, kind of in like an apron top. Well, they're like the jumper style, yeah. Uh, a jumper, a denim jumper that's like down past your cat, like to the to your ankles with, like, a striped turtleneck underneath or maybe just, like, a long skirt or maybe just some, like, uh, like dockers but like maybe like a navy blue docker and like a cardigans lots of cardigans yeah you know very um modest i would say very modest very demure when she does wear trousers it seems like it's days that she's probably working you know where she's doing, things doing outside. something outside yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. otherwise she'll wear skirts or long dresses things like that very uh like modest hairstyle Yeah, kind of just Minimal like a makeup.
1: short like a short bobbed hair to the
0: probably right to her shoulder mhm mm-hmm. and um first thing she says i mean iconic dialogue to paul sheldon i'm your number one fan I'm your number one, I one love fan it. yep mm-hmm. i love it
1: so good i mean Millie, Our friend Millie talked about this movie on their podcast, and Millie kind of talked about it being a kind of an interesting take on a Psycho Bitty movie. Yes. Mm -hmm. Which I love. It's kind of something that I didn't really know when I was younger about this material and just the Annie character and just sort of looking at it through that lens. It's just so interesting of where... Annie fits in in sort of the grand scheme of this idea that you've seen for decades in cinema.
0: Well, we've talked a little bit about psychobiddy uh mm-hmm. and the hag exploitation genre t- in the past. We talked about Baby Jane and whatever happened to Baby Jane, but can you explain a little bit to the kids uh psychobiddy or or hag exploitation. You I know hag exploitation is maybe a little offensive, so we'll we'll sure. stick with psychobiddy. Psycho bitty. Psychobiddy. Um but what do you, how would you explain that
1: to I mean, who's not I familiar? think kind of the simplest definition of it is just sort of a woman on the verge (laughs) that like she's getting older Mm -hmm. and she's just trying to relate to the rest of society and she just really can't
0: yeah um i want to talk about you know kathy bates as an actor um again this is kind of uh, early foray into movies she's mm-hmm. she's a big theater person at this point but not very big uh in movies she gets this movie she wins best actress but the character is annie wilkes and kathy bates is a um a more traditionally built woman yeah i mean uh, she just looks she i would say mm-hmm. um and there was a lot of like uh you know, on the Saturday Night Live uh, Misery Two sketch, it was played by Roseanne. Oh my gosh. I had not seen
1: that <laughs> until we watched that. I'm sure. I it was so Misery no, 2. I had never I had never seen that. The sketches the sketch is Dana Carvey and the church lady and mm-hmm. his number one fan.
0: He's retiring, he was the, the, church retiring lady the church lady, yeah. And his and Annie Wilkes is back and uh, she's his number the church lady's number one fan. <laughs>
1: Are you waking up?
0: Where am I? You had a terrible accident, but you're going to be all right. Who? Who are you? I'm your number one fan.
1: I pulled you out of your car. I left Mr. Lovitz. I thought it would be best. <laughs>
0: But, you know, so they get Roseanne to play Kathy Bates. And, you know, it was always the butt of jokes. You know, Jeanine Garofalo had a whole bit of people thinking that she was Kathy Bates. And Rosie has whole bits of people saying Rosie, she reminds- that's
1: mentioned it in numerous movies, mm-hmm. I feel. Uh, yeah. We were just watching Beautiful Girls, and there's a little snip of dialogue that's probably taken from Rosie's stand-up.
0: Well, I think she just said, wouldn't it be funny if this character says, I look like Kathy Bates. Um, And she says it in The Nanny and things like that. And it's like, oh, ha ha, shade, you know, you look like Kathy Bates. It's like dowdy fat woman. Kathy Bates was 41. Yeah. She was not an old woman. No, not at all. She was 41. And, and the thing is, it's the character. She doesn't have mm-hmm. any makeup on and she's got this like frumpy haircut and like dumb clothes and all that. So it's like that sucks that for so long, people were just like, oh, Kathy Bates. Ha-ha, you look like Kathy Bates. But it's like, dude, that's, that's pretty messed up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she was 41 years old. She's younger than I am. Playing Annie Wilkes and, like, just got so much grief for years about just and being And she was just given like, so God, much sorry. grief just
1: because she was so regular
0: looking. Yeah. She just looked like somebody's aunt. Yeah. Yeah. She didn't look like a movie star. Yeah. But, you know, it served the character really yeah. well. Um, it made you believe that she could, you know, drag Paul Sheldon away from uh, this fiery wreckage. It was not fiery. But, um You know, right off the bat, she's like, you're safe, you're in my home, the roads are out, the power's out, the phones are out. And it just so happens, I used to be a nurse, and and I have
1: all of this shit that I've stolen from the hospital. She says,
0: I am a nurse. She's like, I'm a nurse. Like, I got you, fam. Like, let's get this together. Those shots
1: of Paul's legs. His, like, Jimmy Dean sausage legs. Yeah. (laughs) What the hell went down in that car?
0: (laughs) Just crumpled him up, man. The whole, like, the whole, like, dashboard and steering wheel and everything came down on those legs. She said he had compound fractures in both legs. Yikes. Right? And then, like... And a a compound fracture is, like, where your bone sticks out? Compound fracture is where the bone breaks through the skin. Both legs. And a broken tibia in one leg and a broken fibia in the other leg. And I don't know what the hell. And they look awful. Yeah. They look like Jimmy Dean sausage, breakfast sausage before you cook it. Like mm-hmm. that's what they look like, each one of them. His feet are all gnarled and disgusting. And she's got she's got like splints made. She just like has them wrapped up. Yeah, kind of like DIY. DIY. She's got like a wooden spoon in mm-hmm. there and like pieces of wood and just like ace bandages. And um, wrapped up, and he also has a broken arm. That's something about his, his, uh, his arm was out of its socket, and she said she had to jam it back in there. She's like, I popped it back in. I'm like, oh, geez. Um, but yeah, just him in the bed is just like, holy crap, this is insane. And she's just like feeding him these pills. Take these yeah. pills, take these pills, take these pills. So um,
1: I always forget about that it sets up that Annie knows that Paul writes there. Yeah, so she's well, she's had, his number 1 fan. She's had the stakeout, yeah, of where he finishes up his novels. Yes. Cuz she knows even what room that he writes in. Well, she even when the says, lights on. She yep.
0: cuz he's like, "Oh, you know, I was driving in the snow whatever," and she even says, "I was following you." So she saw
1: you leave. She's been waiting for this opportunity yeah. of a moment like this.
0: Well, yeah, I mean I guess so, you know. Um, because yeah, she she pretty much followed him out of the out of the hotel, out of the Silver Creek, and was was just like, All right. Um I don't know if she was gonna follow him back to New York or what, but when he did veer off the road, she she was just like, All right, now's my chance. Um so you know, it's very interesting that she gives him these these pills, right? And um she says they're called, like, novel or something. And I think in the book, there's, like, more of a reference to him, like, getting addicted. Sure. To the painkillers. hmm Right? But in this one... It
1: sets it pretty early that he's not taking
0: them. Yes. I was going to say, in this one, he kind of gives himself this... Paul kind of decides, I'm not going to, like... He gets his wits about him a lot faster in this. Like, he just kind of comes to his senses pretty quickly um, and decides to stop taking the pills because he's just like, I don't even know what the hell this is. And he like, you know, rips a little hole in the bed with his fork and like jams him in there. Um, Yeah, so so Paul kind of is a little wise to like, this lady's kind of cuckoo. And he knows that for
1: as long that he's been there, he hasn't talked to his daughter yet mm -hmm, over the phone. mm -hmm. So he knows that people on the outside are wondering where he is yeah and annie's not really doing her part to make sure just to kind of let people
0: know that he's okay right well especially because at the beginning she's very like wishy-washy she'll be like oh i went into town and um i like called blah 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 and he's like so the phones are working and also the roads are closed when you look outside it's a beautiful day out yeah like, yeah, how are yeah. the roads still closed? Yeah, and there's no electricity, and there's no phones in, like, this entire town, you know? Because she's constantly saying, like, well, the roads, the road to town's open, but not to the hospital. Mm-hmm. It's like, but not to the hospital, though, you know? So he's kind of, like, you know, right off the bat, just a little bit like, oh, I don't know what's going on with her. And then she has this really cool way of, like, not swearing. Yeah. Which I love. I mean, it's pretty iconic. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and she says that, every, you know, things, you know, things are, make her feel all oogie. You know, she doesn't want you to feel all oogie, and I love that. And um, just, you know. Like, these
1: little Annie Wilkesisms. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's right. I mean, when she reads his manuscript, and she was sort of uh, previewing his new oh, yes. character dialogue. And she has yes. her big meltdown about swearing.
0: Right. So she does mm-hmm. she, she does initially say like, hey, I pulled you out of the car and I also saw that you had this manuscript in there. So you're actually right because you said that like she had this whole thing planned out that she was even stalking him at the hotel. So she knew he was there to finish a manuscript mm-hmm. because otherwise, what is she like? She yanks him out of the car and then what is she like? ducking inside the car like fishing around well, for everything and also no, it, she was, knew it was an early sh- was it there. was an
1: early shot that she puts the manuscript in her coat in her coat yeah because yeah,
0: she doesn't want it to get ruined yeah so she she knew it was there beforehand she didn't mm-hmm. just see it or cuz otherwise she would have had to crawl in there and find it or whatever So, yeah, she totally knew it was there, and she's just like, oh, I saw this. And kind of in the weird Annie Wilkes
1: thought process has, like, God made this happen. That, like, this is a sign that he crashed his car, (laughs) and I have to go save him. Yeah. Because God wants Paul Sheldon
0: all to myself. To me, yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. She has these – she says things to him like, you know, I spoke to God and he said that, you know, I'm going to do this. And he said that we doesn't. to do He
1: doesn't want you writing that manuscript. Well, yes. So yep. she reads mm-hmm. the
0: manuscript of the new book, Untitled. And at first she's just like, oh, it's wonderful. Obviously, you wrote it. You're the best. You're the best writer on earth, blah, blah, blah. You're so talented. I'm like scum at your feet. But then she's like, but mm-hmm. – you know, and then she starts going off about the swearing and she says it's, what does she say? I forgot what she says. It's like not noble or something. We'll
1: do an, we'll do an audio poll of that yeah. scene. It's great. The, uh, the profanity bothers you. It has no nobility. These are slum kids. Uh, I was a slum kid. Everybody talks like that. They do not. What do you think I say when I go to the feed store in town? Oh, now, Wally, give me a bag of that effing pig feed and 10 pounds of that bitchly cow corn. And the bank, do I tell Mrs. Bollinger, oh, here's one big bastard of a check. Give me some of your christy money. There, look there. See what you
0: made me do? Well, I love when she's <laughs> hes like, that's how people talk. And then she's like, no, people don't talk like that. And then she starts swearing, but she swears all wrong. Mm-hmm. And she says, like, bitchly. Yeah. <laughs> like, I kind of love that, though. Bitchly. Mm-hmm. She just swears. I'm gonna... completely incorrect. And I love it. So good.
1: Man, this, I mean, this performance is incredible. And, I mean, just how Kathy plays her... As just this kind of weird, fully-rounded person that she really sells this character. Yeah, I mean, even, I feel like, without making it too broad,
0: like, she goes broad, but she knows when to rail it in. Which is important as an actor. Right, right. Because she has these moments of mania, right? Yeah. Where, you know, for the most part, she's just a little weird. She's just a little kooky. There's just these peaks and valleys
1: of this character yeah and her mind state
0: right well what i was gonna say is like for the most part she's just like a kind of a dorky lady just like mm-hmm. oh you know i have this farm and i love misery misery's my favorite character and i've read all your books and blah blah you're blah. like okay cool that's nice and she loves Liberace, and like all of that but then every now and then when something rubs her the wrong way you get some real eyebrow
1: raised moments with her
0: yeah yeah and um, and the swearing really pushes her over the edge. Mm-hmm. And, and everything becomes bitchly after that. And, and I love it. Um, and so that's kind of one of the first times we really yeah. see how mean she can be. And I'm not talking about when she starts swearing and spilling the tomato soup all over the bed. But when she comes in with the manuscripts and the whole ass Weber. Ooh. And she... <laughs> She makes you torch it. Drags that whole-ass Weber grill into the room. And you're just thinking,
1: like, Paul, can you just not... Like, why didn't you not oh, just heaven's to write this on a fucking
0: Macintosh? I know. They I fully mean, had it word was readily available in the ni- late 80s. In 1990. Yeah. Yeah. And I love how he plays it off. He's just like, oh, well, it's fine because... I got copies. I got copies. And, everywhere. But
1: she knows yeah. all this information about them because she's read... Every single magazine yeah. interview, every single like newspaper write up on Paul. Yeah. So she knows all of these details. Yeah. That he only has one master copy. Yeah. Because he's superstitious. And that kind of shit, that kind of knowledge about celebrities at mm-hmm. that time was really hard to. You come really out. had to do your legwork. It's not like you yeah. could look up on Wikipedia. No. You, it's not like you could look up on the Paul
0: Sheldon. Yeah.
1: Wikipedia page. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was
0: when like. You could write into a fan club and get a newsletter, a hard copy of a newsletter, you know, and, like, maybe get, like, a signed photo and that kind of stuff. And, yeah, getting the magazines and clipping them out and all that stuff. That was legwork that you had to put in to be that level of, like, super fan. Yeah. And, um I don't know that I ever really had the energy to do that. For yeah, in I feel like I—I I mean, I was into
1: stuff like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, yeah. but I wasn't doing the legwork for all of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think
0: my sister was in some like fan clubs, like British pop fan clubs. I think she might have been in the official Pearl Jam fan. Club, oh, very cool, British pop. But I think she was mm-hmm. in the official Pearl Jam fan. I think because I do remember her writing to a couple of bands to to get some stuff, but I never did anything like that. And I wanted to, you know, you would see things about like writing fan letters and stuff like that. But I was always like, I don't know, where do you send it? Like mm-hmm. Hollywood USA, Hollywood USA, and put a stamp on it. Like, yeah. I don't know. So yeah, it even required like worth to figure out how to do those things, where to go to where to write to, you know, and Annie Wilkes is just that kind of, um, you know, tenacious person Mm -hmm. to do all that shit. And she called him out. She's like, you do not have any copies of this. This is your only copy and you're going to burn it. Yep. And when she's walking around the bed talking
1: and and she's sort of talking with the, she's, she's sort of talking with her hands (laughs) and as she's doing it, uh, the lighter, Fluid for the yeah. barbecue is starting to get on the
0: bed. Just d- gesticulating yeah. wildly. Kathy's with her great hands. in that scene. Yeah, and it's funny because at first it looks like she's absentmindedly gesticulating wildly with her hands, mm-hmm. and and the lighter fluids flying everywhere. But then as it goes on, you, it is deliberate, mm-hmm. and she's just like squeezing it and pouring it on the bed. And she puts the box of matches on his chest, and she's like, "Light it up, mm-hmm. light it up," and he's like. fucking piece of shit and he does it and he lights it and i love that it just goes up in flames Mm -hmm. (laughs) he's just like "Ooh, heaven's to betsy i
1: mean yeah i mean i wouldn't i don't think that i would light a lit barbecue in our living room
0: (laughs) hell no (laughs) oh my god no way everything in this room would go up in flames
1: part Uh, also kind of part of the reasons why i think a movie like this has aged so well Mm -hmm. is that just sort of internet culture has gone such a long ways with fan relationships with material. Let it be for like Star Wars, crazy Star Wars fans that claim that they know the series better than their own creator. That's kind of where it starts to get crazy is when fans start to be like, oh no, I know... This material better than you do. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Or just thinking that, you know, artists or creators or whatever owe something to Mm -hmm. them as like fans or listeners or readers or just sort of watchers. Yeah. It's very tricky nowadays. But I also think that being a super fan is a little is looked on uh, a little easier nowadays. Like if you were a fanatic... you know, quote-unquote, even in the 90s. It was just like, all right, calm down, like, whatever, you know, you're a fanatic. But I feel like nowadays... With, like, nerd nerd culture just sort of being embraced a little more, sure. Yeah, you can be a fanatic of multiple things, you know, multiple properties. And it's just like, okay, you're just, you're just a bit, you're just a super fan and you have all their whatever. But at that time, if you were a fanatic of anything and you just like knew all this trivia or whatever, you kind of looked at like a weirdo, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it just kind of lends this character of Annie. She's like, Oh, she's one of those people that doesn't have anything else going on. So she's just like this kind of super fan or whatever of Paul Sheldon. Um, She's also a prolific collector of ceramic animals. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> all of the art direction of Annie's house is so much fun to look at. <laughs> it's just like, just all of the shit that's in her house from her framed Liberace photo.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, she just loves Liberace. And I love that it's like a, a, it's a that's just
1: like a little character note, is yeah. that this type of woman just loves Liberace. Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay. So, you know, Paul eventually... Um, When he gets, his legs start healing, he gets access to this wheelchair to, um, to rewrite. Well, no, not to rewrite the new novel. It's to rewrite. He's going to,
1: he's going to sort of make, he's going to make a sequel. He's going to make his ninth book. But he's gonna be, He's gonna bring right, misery back right. from the dead. Okay, so because yep.
0: all this is happening at one at, at once, you know, she's saved him. She's drugging him up. She's nursing him back to health. She hates. To, she hates the untitled. Makes him destroy it. And then, like at this very moment, Misery Part Eight has just dropped mm-hmm. at the local, you know, general store. Because it is a general store. I love it. It's like one of those stores where. It, the oh, guy yeah. sells like everything. You, you can go in for, like, and, your winter boots. Yeah. Pick up a book. And romance novels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. hmm And she reads it in, like, a night, because she's one of those. And uh, see, I still have the stigma. Um, she reads it in, like, a night. And the next morning, she comes in and flips the fuck out. That misery is killed off, right? And yeah. he's trying to explain it to... And it's like, the thing is, Paul knows that she's, like, off her rocker. So yeah. he's not going to go the... I was trapped. I was in a. He's box, not going to give blah, like blah, his artist justification to no. her. He's like,
1: oh no, you know, a <laughs> like, lot of a lot of people died in women died, died in, childbirth. in like, <laughs> like childbirth. A <laughs> lot, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, you know, all this kind of stuff. Trying to explain to Annie why misery the person died and not why you know.
1: Do you know what this reminds me of? Do you remember mm. when the last season of Game of Thrones ended, mm. and there were all of those petitions yeah. going around the internet just to refilm the season. Oh yeah. Just like just scrap it. just start scrap all over. it all. Oh, just scrap it all and start yeah, over.
0: It's as simple yep. as that. Mhm. Totally. Very. It reminds me a lot very, of that. Very that. Mm-hmm. Very that. Um we love when she we love when she loses her mind um, for that, but I mean my favorite blow up is coming up because she sets up a little workstation for him to type and to, you know, she gets out the card table. Yeah, gets yep. out the card mm-hmm. table and says you're going to write a sequel to this, and you're gonna figure it out, but misery's alive. I don't care how she's That's alive. My only note. just figure it the fuck out. You know, you're a writer, you're a great writer. She's like, I'm sure you'll think of something, right? And he does, and it's amazing what he does. <laughs> something about a bee sting. I don't even... something about a bee sting putting her in a coma, a death a like trance. I don't know what's going on there. But one of the original things.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, like, he doesn't, he just sort of, like, Misery's alive. Like, she just never died. Yeah. It was kind of like the Bob Newhart thing of it was all a dream. Yeah. And
0: Annie's not having She's it. She's not having it at all. And that's when she goes into the the, the the diatribe about the the serials. She starts talking about going to the, 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 the movie serials. She calls them one thing, chapter plays. Mm-hmm. And I love it. And he goes, and it goes cliffhangers. I know that. Mm-hmm.
1: Anyway, my favorite was rocket man. And once it was a no breaks chapter, and the bad guy stuck him in a car on a mountain road and knocked him out and welded the door shut and tore out the brakes and started him to his death. And he woke up and tried to steer and tried to get out, but the car went off a cliff before he could escape. And it crashed and burned, and I was so upset and excited. And the next week you better believe I was first in line. And they always start with the end of the last week. And there was Rocket Man trying to get out. And here comes the cliff. And just before the car went off the cliff, he jumped free. And all the kids cheered. But I didn't cheer. I stood right up and started shouting. This isn't what happened last week. Have you all got amnesia? They just cheated us. This isn't fair. He didn't get out of the cockadoodie car.
0: <laughs> Mister Man, she starts calling him Mister Man. You know, but this is like her way of putting him down, calling him Mister Man. It's like, all right, um, and that's when she goes on her big diatribe. He didn't get out of the cock a
1: car. When I mentioned, when I I, uh, <laughs> I Snapchatted our friend Lex that we were doing this movie, and that was the that was the thing that he replied back.
0: He didn't get out he of the cock a car. Out of
1: the cock a duty car. <laughs> yeah. That.
0: Oh my god.
1: That. I is mean, iconic. if you were gonna do like a drag lip sync on like Stephen King you night at to. the offbeat bar, you have to. You uh, you got to do. Yeah. You, you, you got to do this look. monologue.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, that's when she's just like, you're a great writer, you're going to figure this shit out, but it's, it's got to be better than this, man. Um, Oh, now I'm thinking of the Roseanne sketch
1: that she, oh, look what, look what I got at the store. <laughs> I got this, I got this
0: wig. <laughs> and these glasses. <laughs> and these glasses. <laughs> Misery too, you guys. It's kind of hard to find. You felt like some weird bootleg. I'll cut some of it yeah. into the episode. <laughs> Isn't that special? but i went into town and look what i found um, a wig and some glasses just
1: like the church lady wears yes. annie i, I are you sure the phones aren't working you know i i really should call lord in new york you know i have a show to do but i i also got the newspaper that has a review of your show in it i'm gonna go in the other room and read it oh
0: i just can't wait oh i miss the church lady um but I love when he like sends her on these like wild, not wild goose chases, but he's like he just right, he wants but, to get her out of the house. Yeah, I gotta get her out of the house. I need the right paper.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love how Kathy Bates plays her reactions that she that the nicest paper or the most expensive, expensive one is yeah. not what Paul wanted.
0: Yeah, she's like, I got what? What's wrong? I, like, I got you the most expensive paper, and he's like, mm-hmm. smudges, and you know, different. Paper stocks really, like, there's some really shiny ones that oh, sure, smudge a yep. lot. They're crazy. Um, but, yeah, so when he sends her off to go get more paper, that's when he escapes into the house. And that's when he starts seeing all of her stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And that's when he sees, like, the ceramic animals.
1: The ceramic animals, her crazy. Um, well, I think that he really notices what's in the book until later on in yeah, the movie. Yeah, that's the second time. But yeah. Annie has a scrapbook.
0: Yes. It says memories. Mm-hmm. She has a scrapbook of her fucked up past. Yeah. Yeah, so crazy. Um, I love when he's in the living room and he's like, "The phone," and he goes over to the phone and starts dialing it. And nothing. There's nothing happens, mm-hmm. and he picks up the phone and it's empty. It's just a show. Annie took
1: out the phone on the case that he would get out because she knew it might happen. But I'm like,
0: we have a phone that's not plugged into anything.
1: That's eh, true. <laughs> yep, our landline hasn't worked for a good like eight years. It's just
0: sitting there. Mm -hmm. It looks cute. It's
1: a pink princess phone. When we did have that landline actually plugged in and working, the only people that called it were always just telemarketers. Yeah, it was all just garbage. Yep.
0: Who's calling us on a landline that no one has a number to? Um, so yeah, Annie's, like, house is crazy. You know, she mentioned to him about a husband, and I think she mentioned that he left her. Yeah. I think she says he left her. And that she's got this farm. Um... But you know, the um the moment when he's out in this wheelchair, he's like thrown himself on the floor to like crawl across the kitchen to try and get out the back door. He's not even in the wheelchair anymore. It's
1: like his it's like his Blanche moment from Baby Jane it where really she's trying is. to get yeah where she's trying to get down the stairs. Yeah,
0: it really is. And uh and she pulls up to the house, mm-hmm. and he, like, r- like books it to get back in the chair, back in the room, lock the door from the inside with this paperclip or, like, bobby pin or whatever, mm-hmm. and it's, like, super tense and crazy, and she's just like, you're covered in perspiration. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love when she says, covered in perspiration. Oh, and then she says, your color is erratic. Well, she sort of apologizes for her big blow-up that, yeah. that she
1: slammed the paper mm-hmm, on his legs. Mm-hmm. So even kind of Annie does admit that I have a pretty bad temper. Yeah. And it's probably why not a lot of people like me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um He grabbed a big packet of the pills mm-hmm. to hide them and hoard them. Yeah. And if he has like a first, you know, uh, idea to drug Annie, but that kind of, Fails because she's clumsy.
1: They have like a nice dinner together listening to the Liberace records mm-hmm. and she and she spills the wine. Yes. Yep.
0: When she made uh, meatloaf with Spam to give, oh, it, a, yeah. to give it, a it a little, little zip. zip. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and when she made him breakfast, there was two little like uh, Spam patties on there. Mm-hmm. I noticed that the first time because she gave him that first and I was like, oh, look, she gave him Spam with breakfast and then she made the meatloaf with Spam. I was like, oh, my God. I love it. Yeah. I love Annie Wilkes.
1: Very interesting. Do you know what kind of Annie Wilkesisms remind me of you a little bit? Mm -hmm. You mentioned her ceramic Mm -hmm. uh, figurines Mm -hmm. when she figures out that Paul's been out Mm -hmm. because everybody knows that the little penguin faces Faces due due south. south. Yeah, obviously. And you're someone, too, that, like, if you were to do something to, like, you always know when the cats fuck up the Legos.
0: Well, yeah, of course. Always. Because they're broken.
1: Because they're broken, and just like. The littlest thing in in the apartment that's been moved, you would notice it <laughs> me on the other hand, not yeah. saying that I'm like bet Midler in outrageous fortune that just like my my it always looks like this my entire apartment is just chaos, but I usually don't think about stuff like that mm-hmm. just because I just tend to just sort of live in the moment and I don't really observe just surroundings
0: as better as you well, I guess I, I grew up in a house with a lot of people, okay. Where you would often leave a room and not come back to it the way it was when you left it. Uh huh. Because you had so many siblings. Sure. And grandparents and parents in the house. So, you know, when you come from this kind of environment of not really taking ownership of things because everything was everybody's. <laughs> yeah. When you do get stuff that's yours, I'm just like. What the hell, man? <laughs> mm-hmm. Why don't these damn cats leave my freaking Legos pointed in the direction that they're left in? So there's that. But you know, also the Penguins need to face due south,
1: and this is what leads us into Annie just breaking, just well, she find yeah, she breaking both out. those ankles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. she figures
0: out that uh, that he's been out, so she's just I like- forget that it takes her a little bit to figure that out. That yeah, I he, thought goes, he that, gets out twice. I thought that she initially did it sooner. Yeah, no, he gets mm-hmm. out twice. Yeah. Because um, the second time he gets out is when he sees her scrapbook and when he sees all of her clippings of like. So she used to be a nurse. She worked um,
1: She worked the night shift. She worked the graveyard at the hospital. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she mentions that she started reading his books Right when she separated from her husband and she used to work a lot, she worked at nights and she would read a lot, and that's how she discovered the misery books. But it's very lonely working mm-hmm. the night shift. So, this whole like backstory that's very great, like you just get it from the newspaper clippings, you don't yes. know a lot about it. Yes, that all of these kids start to, all of these babies start to die at the hospital.
0: Well, not only that, mm-hmm. but um, a nursing student. Dies mysteriously. She like mm-hmm. falls to her death. Um, it seems like Annie's husband actually dies. Yeah, and uh, didn't leave her. He he died under mysterious circumstances. And another nursing student. And then and then as we get to the end, we start to see that like patients that are presumably under her care, and then infants. In the hospital, start dying. Mm-hmm. And it seems like... First, it seems like she's just questioned. And then it seems like she actually did... There was a time. whole trial. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And somewhat of a media
0: scandal about it. Mm-hmm. Because
1: there were headlines about her. Yes.
0: Where she's referred to as Dragon Lady. I love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. That's, that's a good one. Um, yeah. So he's just like, holy crap. Uh, all the while... The sheriff in town. Oh,
1: I love the sheriff scenes. <laughs> I think that the sheriff scenes with him and his wife mm-hmm. trying to figure out what happened to Paul, yeah. are so endearing, very charming. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, uh, the sheriff is played by Richard Farnsworth.
1: Richard Farnsworth um, got an Oscar nomination uh, late in his career for a mm-hmm. David Lynch movie. He's in the David. He's in like the family-friendly
0: Disney David Lynch movie. Uh, The Straight Story Mm -hmm. from 1999, rated G. Yep. It's like (laughs) David Lynch was like, I'm making a G-rated Disney movie. An old man makes a long journey by lawnmower to mend his relationship with an ill brother. But yeah. He's, and it's uh, with Sissy Spacek and Richard Farnsworth. And Richard Farnsworth was nominated for Best Actor. Right?
1: I, but yeah. I love Richard Farnsworth and his relationship with his wife.
0: Yes. Uh, very charming. Very cute. Uh, Frances Sternhagen, like you said, she plays Bunny in Sex in the City. She kind will-
1: of like serving as his deputy. The yeah. Kind of like, it's a short-staffed, like, mm-hmm. sheriff station, so his wife sort of has to chip in.
0: Yeah, it's just like a little town. Like, the mm-hmm. town itself, like, when they get to, you know, the general store and all that, it doesn't look like there's much there. It looks like it's one street with a couple of shops. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the Lodge, probably. Um, and, yes, I get uh, Frances Sternhagen um, mixed up with another actress... Uh, she was in the, uh, Psycho... And also Mrs. Doubtfire. ...remake, and also Mrs. Doubtfire. Um, Frances Sternhagen was
1: also in The Mist. So she was in another big Stephen King movie. She was She's in the one Mist? of the characters that makes it out of the supermarket in The Mist. in that bummer of an ending. What? Yeah, she's... She's in the truck with him? Yeah, she's in the truck with him. I
0: just watched The Mist. Yep. Well, I didn't just watch it. It was like a year ago, but still. That was the oh, first time I watched it, too, funny. was with you. Wow, I don't even remember mm-hmm. that that's her in there. So
1: kind of like, I think that this actress just lends herself to a Stephen King universe really well. Sure,
0: yeah, okay, okay. Uh, I mistake her often for Anne Haney, who, like you said, is in Ms. Stillfire. she's in Liar Liar. She's
1: in a really good episode of The Golden Girls, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which one is that? It's the one where Dorothy has to go in for surgery. Oh,
0: okay. And Dorothy's yep. just like freaking out. And
1: she meets this woman that's kind of gone right, through this a lot. Right. And she kind of gives Dorothy a little pep talk. Yes, yes. We
0: talked about this on our on our psycho episode. Oh, right. Yep. That's that's true. That's true. When we were talking about Anne Haney and not Frances Sternhagen. Um so yeah, so all those scenes are really uh are really endearing and uh makes it all the more uh kind of jarring. Oh my gosh. <laughs>
1: When Annie blows him away. Oh my god. I'm always I'm still shocked yeah, by that it's scene. Crazy. Of when like he's he kind of puts it together that he could be over at Annie Wilkes' house because she does read his books that he just found out. Mm-hmm. And I love kind of the detective work that he buys the misery novels. Just because he <laughs> just because he wants to get in the headspace of a reader or a Paul. Yeah. Like I love that just like old timey detective work. Yeah.
0: Cause the wife is like, well, what are you going to find out in there? Like what, what is that? Mm -hmm. And even me as a viewer, I'm like, yeah, dude, seriously, what are you going to get out of that? I don't get it. But what he gets is a quote. It's a line of dialogue um, from misery. And he sees that quote again um, Annie in like a Annie Wilkes newspaper clipping or something. That's right, because he does a little like he looks up about Annie. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. like when he reads the quote, he's like, "I remember this quote. Somebody said it. Where where did I where did I hear this quote? It's before? about like judging. Yeah, it's about judgment or something. judgment. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and Annie said it when she was on trial for these murders. Mm-hmm. And when he's like, okay. She's quoting misery like back in the day, so she knows this these books. She knows this 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 writer, this author, this material. So that's when he puts it together, and he knows that
1: she must go into this little like trading post to get books Mm -hmm. when she gets like her feed and stuff. Yeah, and he just talks to the shopkeep of Have you have you seen Annie Wilkson buying any of these books?
0: Yeah, and uh, he tips him off that she's bought.
1: That she's bought paper. many kind reams of, of, of unusual things, and yeah. one of them being paper.
0: Yeah, reams of paper. What the hell is she going to need reams of paper for? Just
1: kind of yeah. follows this lead over to Annie's house. Yeah, yeah. Annie puts Paul in the basement mm-hmm. when she sees his truck come in. Yeah,
0: yeah, and it's funny because he, you know, Paul sees him pull up to the farm. And, like, immediately he's like, oh, shit. And then Annie's right there next to him. Yeah. Jabs him in the arm. Mm-hmm. Like, you almost
1: feel like you don't know what's going on. Yeah. And then you kind of have to catch up to him mm-hmm. once she
0: wheels Paul out of the room. Yeah. Yeah. Because she just gives him, like, a sedative to knock him out. But she doesn't give him enough. Because he starts, like, waking up. I mean, Jimmy Con's a
1: is a big dude. Yeah. He's a big strapping guy. Yeah.
0: And, again, she got him down those stairs. Mm-hmm. Like... Before uh, Richard Farnsworth gets to the door, she gets him down the stairs and the wheelchair and gets back up the stairs. And she's just like, hey, hi. I love that Richard
1: Farnsworth, once he gets in the house, kind of just starts to look around even without her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well,
0: he tries to like lose her too, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, in the house and to look around and all that. And she's acting weird. Like she's just acting like... You know. She's being a little too nice. Yeah, she's being mm-hmm. she's being weird. She's being suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Um, and yeah, uh, he's there just long enough for Paul to kind of come out of the sedative and start like flapping his arms around. He's like walking away outside and he hears him mm-hmm. in the basement. And I hadn't even realized until this point that the door that Annie uses to get down to the basement is a false door. Yeah, it's a false door. It's a door. hidden it's it's a door. door. Yeah, that like you a push farm in. door. Yeah, and you like I think push it in and it pops out. We haven't mentioned about Annie's house.
1: I think this is a very charming house. It's a cool house. It's a very cute house. Yeah, it's cool. Hmm.
0: Um. Annie Wilkes. You know, she lives alone. She's got a big pig sow a big pig named misery and she's named misery that's like a pet it's got a big cowbell on its neck and um you know while paul is in his room left to his own devices annie is in her bedroom with an open two liter bottle of coke oh yeah
1: watching is she watching the dating game she's watching the date love, mm-hmm. love connection love connection love
0: connection with chuck woolery And uh, I mean, definitely a moment that we can all relate to and a big bag of
1: Cheetos Mm -hmm. or uh, Doritos eating a big bag of Cheetos in bed,
0: (laughs) a full two liter bottle of soda on the counter next to her. A true mood. Uh, I love it. And just watching the love connection. I mean, doesn't get any more 1990 than that, really.
1: Who is the host of love connection? Chuck Woolery. Okay. We'll be
0: back in two and two. Yeah, Chuck Woolery has turned out to be kind of a weirdo. I think he was like a Trumper. I I think he ended up being super right-wing weirdness. But, um, yeah, he hasn't been around lately, so whatever. F you, Chuck Chuck Woolery. (laughs) But I remember watching uh, The Love Connection, and it was actually fun. Mm -hmm. It was more fun when the dates were bad. Sure. Because they were just like, and he came and like in the movie, the one in the movie, she was, she said that he like wore like a t-shirt or something to a fancy restaurant. (laughs) She said he didn't even, he didn't even wear a tie and they went to a fancy (laughs) restaurant and he had like a mullet and a mustache and I was like, ah, I love it. He looked kind of cute though. I would have dated him. Yep. (laughs) He looked fine to me. Um. Yeah, so just kind of talking about like Annie's Annie's house and her just like her life before Paul and even during, you know, mm-hmm. Paul's captivity. But um he find, when the sheriff finds the false door, opens it, sees, sees Paul, Paul, Paul on the floor.
1: Steps. Man, when you see him, when you see that shotgun go through his chest. Yeah, holy shit. Yeah. You're not going to murder this sweet old man.
0: (laughs) I know. He did all this work.
1: I mean, just kind of the shocking moment of this movie.
0: Fell in the snow. Yeah. I mean, a shocking moment of this movie up to this point. Yeah. Because the whole last scene is so... I mean, not the last scene, but like the big showdown Mm -hmm. is just wild and worth the price of admission and just so like visceral yeah so okay
1: so kind of to set up the last (laughs) act of this movie after the murder of this guy that um he's gonna finish the book he's pretty much he's written this whole novel just because he has nothing else to do yeah but to type on this yeah fucking typewriter yeah so he finishes the novel yeah he's gonna do his ritual and annie pretty much has the suicide pact with them Mm -hmm. that they're both going to
0: die together. Well, she says, now that I shot this damn sheriff, other people Mm -hmm. are going to come. Yep. They're going to be looking for us. So there's only one way out. And you know what? I'm taking you with me. Yeah. Yeah. And I love when he has those moments of like, okay, I'm going to play along with this one. Yeah. And sometimes she's like, don't do that. Mm -hmm. I, I know that you don't believe that. But, but at this point she's so far gone. Yeah. And she's just like he can, yes. can kind of hook her, mm-hmm. hook her along for the ride. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause earlier, like at one point in the movie, she tells him, like, I love you. I'm in love with you. And she says, Don't tell me you love me back, because I know you're not. Mm-hmm. You know, I know you don't. But this at this point, she's just like, Well, this is the plan. Like, I'm, you know, we gotta die. Like we have to. And he's just like you're right. It's some of <laughs> Jimmy... Like, Sweet! It's some of Jimmy Conn's <laughs> best work in the movie, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. The, la- yeah. the the last scene when they're down in the basement, and he's like, okay, let's do this. Um. Yeah, and... How do you think <laughs> Annie got a hold of that bottle of Dom? Yeah, the- <laughs> I think... I don't know. Did she just pick that up at, like... That Dom Perignon? Did she just pick that up at, like... That, that general store he's the, got? At that little general store? He's got, like, two bottles that he just has there forever. Mm-hmm. If because I'm
1: assuming that Paul brought his own bottle to the lodge, right? And right. just say here, hold this at the front desk, or for he's
0: me. been doing this eight times, sure. now. so they know to get. So they know, they when, know to yeah, get a bottle when Paul checks in. We got to get a bottle for him for the end of the of his stay. I don't know.
1: Maybe when she maybe she went back to the restaurant. But, I
0: don't know. M- yeah, maybe when she decided. You're going to write this book. She knew that his mm-hmm. ritual was this. So she's. I got this for, you know, maybe that was in there somewhere. I got it for when you finish. So she just had it. Mm-hmm. Maybe she sent away for it. I don't know. Um, How much does a bottle of Dom go for?
1: Uh, I remember when we were at Be Our Guest in Florida, the bottle of Dom. I think I was like quizzing you of how much it was. Oh, at the table. And at the... At the restaurant, and it was around 700 At the table. So probably, at Disney restaurant. So probably the markup for that, maybe you could get that retail for 200 Sure. 250 okay. in maybe. In 2021.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. So in 1990, I'd venture to say you could get that bottle in Colorado for $90.
1: Sure. Let's just say. And this was kind of at a time before, like, rappers started to drink it. That, that <laughs> probably really upped the price of, like, Dom.
0: <laughs> I remember seeing it like when I was a kid, seeing it at um, Costco. Okay. I remember that and be like, Oh, that's cool. I know that's very fancy. You and probably can't it, get it at
1: Costco anymore. Although probably, probably
0: I, I don't know, maybe you could. Yeah. Um, and well I think the whole thing was just like you buy buy a bottle of Dom and then just like put it in your garage and in fifteen years a will have a, a spoiled bottle of champagne i mean i don't know i mean
1: in my opinion all champagne just tastes the same (laughs) (laughs) so might as well just get like a seven dollar bottle of cooks
0: (laughs) you should be getting like a vintage dom Mm -hmm. bear that's been in your garage from costco but at any rate she brings out she breaks out the bottle of of dom dom p Mm -hmm. and um so paul kind of knows that his
1: weapon is what he's been typing on yeah is this yeah he's got this book is this heavy typewriter Oh, yes. Of like, this is how I'm going to take this bitch out. Yeah. Is with the typewriter. Yeah. So, yeah. He lights the book on fire. Annie goes to kind of of save it. Mm -hmm. And he just whacks her right over the head with it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have a very specific memory of watching this movie on VHS with my parents. Okay. When it first was released. And that specific shot, she walks in to the room and she has a champagne glass. Yep. And he's got the the paper in his hand and the match in the other hand and he's like I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Yep. And she drops the champagne glass and there's a close up of the floor and the champagne glass shattering. And behind it you see her shoes. And she's just wearing like those kind of like loafers those like leather loafers where there's like a little um like leather tassel oh sure yeah you know what mm-hmm. i mean on the on the front of like where the boy you put the penny in
1: those are such like old lady shoes i yes, love it yes yes
0: or like catholic school like <laughs> uniform shoes um but i always remember seeing and i don't know how like it wasn't even in like um focus Mm -hmm. but i remember as a kid seeing her shoes and just seeing the look on kathy bates's face as annie and her acting and just being so like just the emotion that she had on her face to drop this glass and she was just so like heartbroken i was i felt had yeah, for Annie Wilkes mm-hmm. and the whole time so what, that's I'm just what like, kind of makes that's lady. what kind of makes this
1: performance yeah. in this character interesting is that you do kind of feel for her in those moments Yeah,
0: yeah but just seeing her shoes and being like I know those shoes like she mm-hmm. like this is just a person who like went out and bought this pair of shoes and I don't know just seeing yeah. like a real yeah. thing that you like zero in on and you're like this is a person right now mm-hmm. and Kathy Bates was just able to telegraph that with this look on her face and just like no oh, the way she's just like oh, she loses it and um, it gives way to this bitch fight. oh this showdown is <laughs> out of control. <laughs>
1: And it's one of those things that, like, damn, <laughs> oh like, these two just really went for it. Like, mm-hmm. Kathy, I mm. mean, she's like a, she's kind of a bigger gal. Like, I mean, she's, <laughs> I mean, but she, it, and she yeah. was just down to just, like, get on the floor and, roll around. and just roll
0: around with Jimmy Conn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's crazy. I, I mean. When he starts stuffing the burnt paper <laughs> in her mouth. <laughs> yeah. Ada,
1: you love it so mm-hmm. much. Uh, it would have been fun to see with an audience at the time.
0: Yeah, dude. Like an yeah. audience full of gay men <laughs> in, like, West Hollywood just, like, losing their damn mind yeah, at the scene. Yeah, totally. I mean, that, and that's the thing. It's like she has put Paul through so much that at this point mm-hmm. he's just like, why won't you
1: die <laughs> Yeah, and it's just kind of that gr- – and this is kind of where it really tips into horror. Yeah. Because for the most part, the movie plays out as like a psychological thriller. Yeah, yeah. But this is some like Michael Myers, <laughs> Jason Voorhees, Why Won't You Die? Yeah. And you even get the – Be careful. There's two. Be careful. Yeah. This is
0: when the killer is going to come mm-hmm. for their one last scare. Yeah. And I, that's what made Misery 2 so funny because they did that like three times because she there's two jumps in this like mm-hmm. she hits her head on the typewriter Ooh. and it's that crazy like full body dummy that they yeah. use. I've
1: I always yeah. noticed the dummy as a kid and yeah. it just used to just like
0: ugh. because the way that head hits that typewriter mm-hmm. you can't do a person that can't be a person that is like grotesque. Um, but then after that she gets up again. And he nails her with the doorstop. Mm-hmm. This, like, iron pig yeah. doorstop <laughs> to the face. <laughs> oh, you know, just like these
1: these little household items yeah. in this woman's house that can be used as a weapon. Yeah.
0: I mean, the, the, she has, like, kept him hostage, forced him, you know, to destroy a manuscript, forced him to, like, write a new one, shoots him up with all these drugs... Mangled his feet. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh,
1: yeah. like no, he's like he's not
0: really. I mean, I'm, I mean, he's lucky to be walking with a cane at the end of this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we talk about like how visceral this fight is, but when she hobbles him with that uh, mallet mm-hmm. and she does both feet, it is yeah. wild. It's one of those movie scenes that just like. You remember that. I mean, it's just that burned stays it's just with just burned into just movie history yeah. is that scene. Yeah. It's kind of just like one of the great scenes of horror movies too. Yeah. It's like you know when you go to like a drive-in or something and there's that like sizzle reel with like triumphant music and like movie movie film sure. animated flying through space and then there will yeah. be like Gandalf the wizard and like yeah, Dorothy. Is,
1: it's going to it's going to be like in like the AMC or Regal. Yeah. Yeah, just like, mm-hmm. just like
0: wallpapered onto a wall.
1: I mean, it's going to be the shot of her with that knife.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So it's, it, and it's also just kind of interesting that Rob Reiner decided to change the material a little bit. Right. That she just, like, we have to do something else besides just cutting off a foot.
0: Well, I think cutting off, okay. so
1: I, It probably logistics, it would have been too hard, So maybe. Yeah. So when you read the
0: plot, not only does she chop off, she chops off one foot first of all with with an axe and then she cauterizes it with a blowtorch awesome <laughs> that's in, i think that like in a movie it might be that thing where it's like the character has just gone past the point of no return. Mm-hmm. Or like in this in this movie It you're kind just of like, works in a book better than it would in a yeah. movie. Yeah. Like you're still kind of, you're not on board with her obviously because she's the villain. But at least you're like, oh, but she's got this kooky house and she's kinda of, you know, and it's Kathy Bates and blah, blah, blah. But I think maybe if you were to see that in a movie, you would just be like, Nope, fuck this. I hate her. I'm out and I think it's that I think they have, you know, I think they probably thought the audience would have just dropped out. Yeah, and it's and it's just kind
1: of easier to stage it and shoot it when you can have prosthetic legs and just have her
0: good prosthetic and just have have her like
1: and just kind of have her slam those feet. It's it probably just works a little easier for filming. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, Man. Yeah, that scene is that scene's wild. pretty gnarly. It's it's insane. Yeah. There's a lot of really good classic shots. But yeah, her holding that knife, that big old knife. Um Yeah, really, really good iconic shots in this movie. But yeah, you're right. It's 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 become like part of like cinema, you know. Yeah, and, um, I mean Well deserved.
1: Annie's just an iconic character. I mean, there's so many just like mismat like there's so many just Things going on with this character. She's psychotic. She's delusional. Mm-hmm. She's hypermanic. She's depressive. She's bipolar. Mm-hmm. Severe uh, personality disorders, like yeah. and sadomasochism. Like, there's so much going on in this role. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting when you read the actresses who they wanted to, and I've read interviews with Angelica Houston that she was offered it and she turned it down to do The Grifters, hmm. and they were both and they were both in Best Actress together in 1990. Could you see Angelica Houston in this role?
0: I can see Angelica Houston in this role, but I like the fact that Kathy Bates is like a short woman. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It make like I feel like Angelique is really, almost too imposing. There's not
1: anything threatening about yeah. Kathy Bates. Angelique Houston's mm-hmm. too
0: imposing as a woman. She's tall, so I feel like I don't know. There maybe I would see the character a little differently. But seeing Kathy Bates, yeah, she just she, on the outside she just looks like a nerdy frumpy little lady. But Angelique Houston with the right light and the right makeup and the right this and that. Can look kind of menacing, mm-hmm. you know. She's quite beautiful, but she can also look menacing. And Kathy Bates doesn't look menacing at all, like yeah. in her face or in her like demeanor, or character. It's all the acting, you know. It's all the the backstory. I was
1: also reading. Bette Midler was offered the role and she turned it down. And Midler later said that the decision to turn down the role was stupid. Could you have seen <laughs> Bette Midler in this role? that would have been out of control <laughs> it would have been crazy. that i mean that would have just almost veered into like snl sketch territory yeah
0: because i feel, especially at that time in Bette's career yeah. yeah it's kind
1: of doing all of these big she studio was, comedies yeah, for very Touchstone. Broad yeah
0: comedies i don't know it would have been it would, it would have, have been, been a big depulture. i yeah, mean it would have been a big i guess she could have done it she's no, a good actress sure so yeah i'm sure she could have handled it but yeah um it's funny when you talk about like just everything psychologically that um one could diagnose Annie with. It's just like that scene when Mr. Burns went to the doctor, and he's like, "You have everything. Yeah, you have every How? every single disease, and and they're all balancing each other out, and they're and it's all keeping you alive. <laughs> yeah. You have everything. <laughs> yeah, every sort of psychological, you know, affliction in the book. You could say that Annie Wilkes has just a touch, mm-hmm. just a touch of that." Um yeah, I mean the 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 final showdown between the two and again it's one of those things that like you said, Paul Sheldon is if he's not in a bed, he's in a wheelchair in the same room as the bed. Yeah. This whole movie. You know, he only has two scene like one scene in the office, one scene driving the car, and one scene in a restaurant. Uh Rob uh, rest. Reiner
1: and the kind of the bonus materials, kind of jokes that whenever he would direct Jimmy Khan, mm-hmm. he would always just start out everything of, "All right, Jimmy, you're in bed. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're in bed for this scene."
0: Oh man! But you know this—the le- final showdown. It's in the room. It's in the room next to the bed, next to the card table, all that. So it's just—I don't know. It's just—it's so fitting that it's you know, and um, you know, the sheriff's just dead at the bottom of the of the mm-hmm. of the basement and the the phone d- maybe works maybe doesn't it's like he just is he just waiting there for the cops who knows cause it just cuts to him in a in a suit in an Armani suit hobbling his way down 5th Avenue yeah you know meeting, so, meeting Lauren Bacall the meeting ending Betty. the
1: ending is very like Carrie Mm-hmm. Of kind of here's here's our yes. one last scare, yeah, It also yeah. just kind of hints at the post like the post traumatic stress. Right. Like, is he seeing Annie like every day? Yeah, just he, whenever yeah. he just goes out of his apartment. Mm-hmm.
0: And and the the server who he sees and initially sees Annie, but then he sees that it's a different woman, and she says, "Are you Paul Sheldon?" He says, "Yes, he says, I'm your biggest fan." You're like, mm-hmm. all right. Um, but I love when Lauren Bacall is just like, "All right, you've written." This new novel and it's a hit. How about how about some how about how about some nonfiction and some high point coffee? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, how about some nonfiction and how about maybe talking about your ordeal? And he's just like, yeah, a fuck no, mm-hmm. uh, never, never in a million years. He's just like, no, shuts it down, mm-hmm. never. And it just kind of and it just kind of ends there. Yeah, you're right though. It's very, very carry and it's in its ending with the with the mm-hmm. final scare. Um, but you know, Paul's walking around, he's got a cane, but he's walking. It's like he's he was able to to um to recover. Uh, Annie, I'm sorry. I was gonna say Kathy B Annie Wilkes says at one point in the movie, You were born on such and such date forty five years ago. Well,
1: when when uh when he asked her about kind of the um Farnsworth asked her about, do you know any information uh, sure. on Paul yeah. Sheldon? Mm-hmm. She pretty much just gives him a mini Wikipedia summary. Right, right.
0: But that's kind of a funny scene yeah. too cuz he's like mm-hmm. he's obviously it's an investigation. He's like what can you tell me about Paul Sheldon and she's like well he was born on blah blah blah. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But the character of Paul Sheldon is 45, a mere 2 years older than myself. Yeah, you better like, I mean Pete it, it,
1: it's not too late to start your like romance novels well
0: not only that mm-hmm. I feel like James Khan in this movie can oh, like yeah. fucking he box can, me like he a can, <laughs> can like pound you through the window like, punch yeah. me like a damn mm-hmm. throw me like a javelin um yeah James James Khan I feel like it not underrated but maybe under recognized for, for this movie like we said Sonny Corleone man the godfather um, his filmography is interesting. Sure. His filmography is very interesting. I mean, we don't necessarily have to play this game, but do you think you could name his most known foreigner? <laughs> I mean, I was going to do Kathy Bates for you. <laughs> okay, well, we'll do that. And you give me Jimmy Conn right now. Okay, so, I mean,
1: <laughs> Godfather is definitely going to be there. Yeah. Misery is going to be there. Yes, indeed. Um, oh, fuck. One of them, I have no idea what it is, but maybe you will. Can you give me a hint on the other two? I mean, I can't think... uh, I'm like
0: blanking on Mm -hmm. James Mm Conn movies. What are the years? So uh, one of them is from 2003, and it also stars Lauren Bacall. Also stars Lauren Bacall. What was Lauren Bacall doing in 2003? It has got a Who's Who of Hollywood, and I think it's one of those things where they're just like, "I need to work with, I need to work with this director." Mm-hmm. Is it uh, I mean, it's not
1: a Clint Eastwood movie. It's not a Clint Eastwood movie. Um, Lauren McCall later went on to do Birth in two thousand four, so it's definitely not that. Um,
0: I have no idea. It's got uh, it's got another Best Actress winner from uh, Australia, Nicole Kidman. Yes. 2003. Mm-hmm. Oh, Cold Mountain? No. No, no, no I mean, no. yeah, Lauren, Lauren Bacall's not in Cold Mountain. No. There's uh there's no furniture in this movie. Oh, it's Dogville. It's Dogville. <laughs> Dogville is in Jimmy Conn's most known mm-hmm. for. That's so interesting. How about that? Yeah. And there's one more from 1981 that I'm not super familiar I with. I mean, I'm one. definitely not going to get that. Yeah. It's called Thief. Oh sure, it's 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 a Michael Mann Michael movie. Michael Mann, yeah. sure. I yeah. know Fief. Willie Nelson. Yep,
1: Jim Belushi. All right, so yeah. let's see if you can get Kathy Bates. Kathy Bates is is pretty. There are four heavy hitter Kathy Bates movies, so I think okay. you can get it. So I'm gonna go
0: Misery. Misery's there. Yep, uh, Fried Green Tomatoes. Fried Green Tomatoes not there. It's not there. No. Dolores, Clary- Claiborne. Cl- Dolores Claiborne. Dolores Claiborne's there. Liz Claiborne. Um, A
1: really good performance, and I'm surprised that didn't get more awards attention. Never saw it. Great, we should we should watch <laughs> it one of these evenings.
0: Okay, so another Kathy Bates. You got two
1: more joints.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, gosh, Red Green is not on there. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm kind of surprised that it's not. Yeah, me too. I'm very surprised that it's not. Um, all right, so she's also in one of them is Oscar nominated, The Waterboy.
1: No, this is not the water. It should have been Oscar <laughs> nominated. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um,
0: oh, gosh.
1: One of them is a movie that we have covered on this podcast, and it is one of my favorite movies of all time.
0: Oh, Okay. And Kathy Bates is in Kathy it. Kathy Bates is in it. And it's
1: a films. role that Reba McIntyre turned down. <gasps> Titanic! <laughs> yeah, it's Tita- It's her Molly Brown in Titanic. She's so good in Titanic. Yes. The, the fourth one is a movie that I don't know if you like this director, so I don't know if you've seen oh, it. okay. But it did nominate her for an Oscar. I don't really think that she was that close of winning this year, but she was nominated for it. I'm assuming it's supporting. Mm-hmm.
0: Gosh, um, what year is it? Two thousand two. Ooh, not. Hopeful. I don't think I don't. Like I said, yeah. I don't think that you're all a fan right. of this director. All it right. is
1: Alexander Payne. Uh, yeah. It's about Schmidt. Oh, okay. Yep. Didn't see about Schmidt. And the big thing with about Schmidt when that movie came out, all of the press for that movie is that. Kathy Bates gets naked in the hot tub. That was like the number one thing Uh, that they led with, which is like, which is just sort of just such a disservice to just Kathy Bates. Just like she's so much better of an actress, Mm -hmm. just to sort of kind of zero in just on that scene of the movie. Yeah, totally, totally. I'm glad that we got to a Kathy Bates movie on the podcast. Mm -hmm. I love Kathy Bates. She's one of my favorite actresses, and like I mentioned before. I think that her performance in this movie is one of my all-time favorite roles of all time. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Damn, and like I said, one of my favorite Best Actress wins. Just because I think it's so cool that a role like this was that widely recognized.
0: Right. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, because like we said, it had... It had a lot of baggage. You know, Stephen King, people just think it's a horror movie, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe and maybe academy voters in nineteen ninety were just like, No, I'm not gonna you know And especially the narrative that Kathy Bates was not a household name
1: going yep. into yep. this movie. And this movie just made her Yes. Made, just, made her a household. Name. It made her a household name. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um you know, and also she didn't she wasn't quite an ingenue. No. Right. She was just a, she was
1: just a woman in her 40s. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: So it's it's uh it's unusual but it just kind of shows it like the right, you know, the right role. It's the right girl, mm-hmm. the right hair. I mean, it's right it's, it's
1: like Michael Kors says on Project yeah. Runway. And I think that just Kathy Bates's filmography she's done movies she's done television mm-hmm. um she was really great on six feet under like very cleverly cast always on a show like american horror story right that right. that's just not really an actress that i would have pegged to have worked to work with ryan murphy yeah totally. but just ryan murphy is a smart homosexual that yeah. knows how to cast these
0: roles mm-hmm yeah, it was probably just like, I want to work with her. And mm-hmm. and she's obviously great. Um, Rob Reiner followed up this movie with... A Few Good Men. A Few Good Men, yeah. yeah. Rob Reiner's had a weird
1: career of that, like... Mm-hmm. There definitely comes to a point where Rob Reiner kind of... Um, yeah. After sort of yeah. the early 2000s, Rob Reiner's directed a lot of bad movies.
0: Yeah. I mean, probably, you know, after... Gosh, yeah. He he did like a Linden like an LBJ movie <laughs> a few years ago mm-hmm. that you're just like does this movie actually exist? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean there's things like um Rumor Has It. Mhm.
1: Yeah, I mean and also a movie like Rumor Has It there was a lot of buzz going into mm-hmm. that movie mm-hmm. of that this is this is Jen's first big movie when she left friends it's about the making of the graduate yeah and it came out in just
0: Shirley MacLaine was terrible yeah Alex and Emma what is that? Alex and Emma is, is that a real movie Alex
1: and Emma is bad yeah the story, the of, story us of us with um Bruce Willis and um, Michelle. Michelle Pfeiffer yeah. in that movie a movie like American Beauty just sort of stomped into the ground oh you wanted a movie about a failing marriage in right. 1999 right here you go. here you go, <laughs> and nobody talks about the story of us, right. Probably right. released within a month of each other. yeah.
0: I mean, I guess Ghosts of Mississippi uh I remember as I know a lot of people like the American
1: president <laughs> right yeah um, Roger Ebert said that North was like the worst movie that he'd ever seen, yes when that when that came out. yeah North
0: but yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean Rob Reiner just kind of there's not really like a Rob Reiner style. Yeah, I mean right. he kind of
1: worked in all sorts of genres. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And
0: I think his most successful things, I mean when Harry met Sally to me is like yeah, it's come a pre- on, it's like on. a borderline flawless. it's a borderline perfect movie. Yeah. Yeah, flawless. I think he's really good like that and Princess Bride to me just have this these like funny nostalgia factors so great. Misery and Stand by Me are able to go in the complete opposite end. But you know. I always kind of forget that I'm I'm a little too
1: young to watch to have watched a show like All in the Family. Yeah. Like yeah. whenever that was on reruns, that yeah. was an old person show that yeah, I had totally. no business watching. Totally. But I mean, he broke out of the television box that a lot of actors found themselves in. It was kind of him, Penny Marshall, and Ron Howard. Yeah. That just sort of came from network sitcoms. Yeah. Well, they're all built, the same crew too. And yeah. built very successful directing careers for each other.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you still kind of don't see that too much, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, A little bit with Jason Bateman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, I mean, this movie on its own, it really does stand on its own. It's it's scary. It's, it's funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It has like some really funny stuff in it. Yeah. The performances there's some, are just There's some great so kind rounded. of notes
1: of humor in this yeah. very dark story. Yeah. And I mean, us gays just kind of love Annie Wilkes. <laughs> like we love how crazy this broad is.
0: <laughs> yeah, she's amazing. She's an icon. She's the moment. But um and we love Kathy. Mm-hmm. Kathy Bates just just killing it as this character. So good. So I mean, yeah, it's it's all around. It's 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 a very well rounded movie, and and I feel like I wish I should be watching it more. Well, I, mean, I feel like there was we bought the we stream, have, yeah. we
1: bought the Shout Factory mm. edition of it, so we have a nice copy of it I on liked, Blu-ray.
0: I'd like to watch each and every one of those special features, and they're all very like they're not like two three minute. I hate that when the special features are like there's ten featurettes, and they're each one minute long. We didn't even finish the new Shout Factory interview with Rob Reiner because it's like an hour long. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because you know that Rob
1: minutes. Reiner is someone that they probably went in there thinking that they're going to get ten minutes, mm-hmm. and Rob Reiner gave them like an hour and a half that they had to trim down, yeah.
0: to like fifty five minutes. Totally, totally. But um, yeah, there's there's a lot of good supplemental features on on this. Uh, thank th- you so much, Shelf Factory. They they do such good work. I mean, you can, you can you can thank our past guest on the show because I think
1: that he produced this. Oh yeah, that um, one guy, <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> I know. Jeff from
0: uh <laughs> Jeff from the Fan. I know. <laughs> she didn't say his name, so I was like, oh yeah. Jeffrey Mixed. He's great. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, he, he uh, works uh with with Shout Factory well Scream Factory. Yeah, he he produces all mm-hmm. of
1: the Scream Factory mm-hmm. editions.
0: So if you can get your hands on a copy of that, uh if if uh If possible... It's always on and off streaming platforms, Mm -hmm. too. It is always on and off streaming. So, yeah, we always recommend giving this movie a watch. It's it's worth the rewatch. It's so great.
1: Kind of an unexpected pick for October that I don't really see a lot of people posting that they're watching misery but i'd like to see it more. well
0: there's not like a misery maze at like halloween horror nights or anything so maybe there should be
1: there should be like an annie wilkes <laughs> walkthrough at not scary farm. yeah i feel like not scary farm is kind of a little more in line of just like annie wilkes in general <laughs> yeah yeah i think that annie would frequent knots more than
0: say oh, like she's universal totally, studios she's totally a knots berry farm yeah she loves the boysenberry yep yeah, it's, it's right up around. She has that season pass. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. I mean, this uh, this has been... I, I could continue talking about Misery, but I think we should probably wrap it up. We've mm-hmm. been talking about this for quite a while now. But I think, since we have no guests to say goodbye to this evening... That means it's time. Do you know what it's time for? Patreon shoutouts. It's time for some Patreon (laughs) shoutouts. Oh, my goodness. You guys, thank you for sticking around this long, during our misery episode. But we would love to say hey, hey, and hello to some of our awesome patrons, including Travis... Esperanza, Nicole, Susan, Barry, JJ, Brandon, Leighton, Shelley, Merle, Charlie, Heather, Paul, Jamie, Drew, Jimmy, Genevieve, Don, Josh, Emily, Millie, Aaron, Melinda, Jim, Jessica, Nick, and Shannon, Christine and rufino thanks Thanks, so much guys guys, as always head over to patreon.com slash movies that made us gay for some uh extra special additional content Mm -hmm. we just dropped our nightmare on elm street one commentary track yeah you can check that out that's lots of fun we also just did
1: elvira mistress of the dark so we're we're doing a few this month
0: Yes, indeed. We'll probably get one out uh, very shortly in a week or two to have uh, another one for October. Just to have some extra special, extra additional. We're podcasts. watching movies. Why not? Yes, indeed. <laughs> We're watching them anyway. So, like I said, patreon.com slash movies that made us gay. We'd also love it if you'd rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts.
1: Give us five stars. Yeah. It's Helps yeah, with it. that mysterious Apple Yes, indeed. Of when shows show up in people's feeds. Yes, indeed.
0: Oh, and we have a new review. Yay. New five-star review. Do you want to read it? Sure, I'll read it. This five-star review is from Apple Podcasts listeners Jermel B. Uh, The title of this review is My Ten-Year-Old Self is enjoy overload way back in the 1980s. My uncle made me a VHS tape with the never ending story legend and return of the Jedi.
1: Oh my God. Oh my what God. a
0: lineup. That is a great tape. What I a great tape! T- I would have watched the shit out of that. Yeah. Out of that tape. I watched it so much, I could quote entire scenes from any one of those movies. Listening to this podcast is like being 10 again and curling up on the couch with a bag of Twizzlers and my My Buddy doll for another solo watch party. Only this time, it's watching with a group of friends who also long to run off into the sunset hand-in-hand with Tom Cruise while Tangerine Dream plays in the background. If anyone asks, I would highly recommend they take a sip from the MTMUG. Empty mug. (laughs) You won't regret it. See what they did there? Yeah. Empty mug. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Thank you so much. That review is incredible. And also
1: another sign that we need to do Legend on the show. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. I know that Legend is a very divisive movie for some that did not grow up on it, but Uh. I also used to watch
0: it a lot as a kid. I mean, it's got like, what, 20-year-old Tom Cruise? Mm -hmm. Get out of here. We'll watch it right now mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah thank you so much apple podcast listener jamel b you're awesome so why don't you write us a review guys since you heard that one so head on over to apple podcasts and write us a review it's free it's cheap it's easy costs you nothing and it helps us out a lot we'll read it on the show Um, You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Movies That Made Us Gay. And we're on Twitter at MTMUGpod. Yes, indeed. And uh, my name is Pete. I am on Instagram and Twitter at Peter Lasagna. And I'm Oscar Scott on Twitter and Scott Youngballer on Instagram. Awesome. Until next time, everybody. Thank you so much for listening.
1: Ooh, We have a really good movie next week and a really funny guest. I'm excited for it. Yay.
0: All right. Tune in, everybody. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye. He did.